Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the same. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. You know it isn't stuck. Since a bicycle contributes little to pollution, makes a positive contribution to health, and causes little death or injury, it can be regarded as the most benevolent of machines. Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio, 10am every Monday morning on Community Radio 3CR. Also live streaming on the web and weekly podcasts at 3cr.org.au. So listen in for the very latest bicycle stories, news and views from Melbourne and around the cycling universe. Listen in. Oh, the dulcet tones of Chris Dahl lead us into another fascinating radio show here at the Yarrabug Bicycle Show at 3CR. So you've got the tranny in the kitchen streaming on the web or you're listening to this as a podcast. It is a glorious day here in Melbourne after a sharpish crispish morning the sun's come out very gentle winds autumn leaves tumbling to the ground and on the tandem with me here today good morning randall good morning val thanks for having me back again that's all right randall anytime you know that (laughs) and unfortunately uh faith has been laid low by a family bug so to the (laughs) faith household Hang some garlics out the front, warn off people there's a sickness inside and quarantine yourself for a couple of days. It'll all end up well. (laughs) Now, our show of news and events are happening in the bike world, but basically a lot today. We'll do a little bit on winter riding, just to cover a few tips before we really launch into that lovely time in Melbourne. We'll be talking about Randall's ride I'm going to say round Australia. We're not circumnavigated uh, it. Across is the more accurate. Across is much better mm-hmm. in the spirit of... I'm trying to remember. I can never remember my explorers from grade three, grade four. <laughs> Stuart, of course, who crossed from east to west. He was one of the ones who didn't die. In, in, in the spirit of anyone who didn't die doing it, that, that's fine. But oh, we only make heroes of the ones that did die. Oh, <laughs> I'm no hero, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we'll be touching up about that lovely trip and a couple mm. of events coming up. 
Uh, first off, that quote um, from this morning came from S. S. Wilson. I must admit I haven't looked up into uh, Mr. Wilson's pedigree, so I'm not sure where Mr. Wilson came from, but made a couple of great points. Bicycle moments, those special moments that only happen, well, for me, every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have to say, um, you know, being, just being back in Melbourne, um, uh, uh, coming up uh, Sydney Road, heading north up Sydney Road uh, the other night with my first kind of full uh, Melbourne outfit on, the you know, the trench coat, the gloves, the long pants, um, shirt, and still it's cold enough that I'm not sweating. <laughs> Loving it. Loving it. Larry up. Yep. Now, I had a funny experience. As anybody who rides from the north to the south, or as me from the north southish to the northish, <laughs> the cross pedestrian crossing behind the Fitzroy swimming pool. Yep. I'm always boasted it's probably got the longest time lag before between pushing button and having little green man. Although somebody reminded me there's one on Punt Road that actually takes a little bit longer, so I might stand gazumped on that. And in a usual morning, there's a fairly good collection of cyclists one side. I think I'm heading north, so there are only two or three people my side, and I think one person coming out of the pool, and about five or six on the other side. Now, there was a... That traffic can whiz past there. There was a little break in the traffic. Now, somebody obviously went to ride across. Somebody started it. Mm-hmm, I know mm-hmm. I didn't start it. Mm-hmm. But like lemmings, the rest of us went with them until yeah. we were all halfway across the intersection and realising that there was no green man. And three of the lanes stopped, you know, just in front of us. I'm not sure what they thought of it. But a person in the last lane was going to drive straight through. It was quite weird. Ooh. One of those awful times when you're... Um, God, well, am I paying attention or not paying attention? It was quite interesting. Yeah. We all looked at each other, nobody said anything and just sort of moved off. It was quite weird. Wow. Uh, what else is happening? Now, I'm just in the news and events. I'm sure everybody out there in 3CR is aware that in April 19th, which was yesterday, Mr. Albert Hoffman ate a compound he'd made from some fungus Rode his bike bike home, this is in Switzerland, 1943, mm-hmm. and realised he'd discovered the first hallucinogenic, <laughs> otherwise known as LSD. So yesterday we should all bow down to <laughs> Albert Hoffman <laughs> and his bicycle ride home. It's interesting, that's when he started to have the first uh, hallucinations and was realising something was happening, was wow. on his bike ride home from... Uh, what a trip. Oh, a terrible pun, sorry. That's probably the only pun available, but we'll pay it. <laughs> uh, so that was yesterday. Um, we dips our lids, chapo. Now, a couple of other things. I'm not... Um, you a reader of Bike Snob normally? Uh, I haven't I haven't been, I should I should confess. Um, not, not for lack of interest, just haven't got around to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I dip into him every now and then, and... Um, I've got to say, I admire his tenacity. He just will not let go in in, um, the States. He had published a wonderful article in the Washington Post Mm -hmm. that got a huge reaction. And I'm sure if anybody's read enough of Eben Weiss's blog, aka Bike Snob, had realised he's been 
really historically dating the takeover of the roads by the cars. Mm. You know, the invention of the term jaywalking was really something from the motor industry. So <laughs> what's happening is, and it's happened here in our streets too, mm. roads have been captured by one form of transport. Yep. And, of course, um, New Yorkers are finding a little bit... Some New Yorkers are finding it a little bit hard to come to terms with the fact that in the next 20 years, pedestrians and cyclists, foot traffic and slow-moving public transport will be what will be moving up and down our streets. I, I did get into an argument, uh, yeah, a fairly cordial one, and not on the road with, with a motorist uh, the other day, and I, I basically, um, in a rather heated moment, I, I put it to him bluntly that um, I think... They're on the losing side, <laughs> frankly. We're not, we're not going away. No, no. A friend of mine's got a lovely sticker, a picture of a bicycle. Next 50 years. Mm. Get used to it. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Which is interesting. I'm not sure if you're... We're not going to branch off into too many things. There was a, of course, with a computer-aided design picture of what um, Elizabeth Street would look like. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Now, that um, I saw, yeah, yeah. With gardens. That actually was what track. precipitated the argument with the uh, with a friend of mine. He Did was looking it? at the same thing, the, the article in The Age. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Um, I'm not too... Um, we need... The, it's very hard to get anywhere. I, we were talking about uh, Sydney Road, as you were talking about before, mm. and somebody said, oh, what would you do? And I said, well, I'd close it from Brunswick Street <whistles> all the way up to Moreland Road. Wow. Just make it a completely pedestrian garden walking path with trams. That I would, I would like to live in a city with that. I mean, that Melbourne, that would be a... That would be a nice place to it live. It would completely... I mean, this is, it's not like I have some light bulb moment, but the idea of now the inner city turning into places that are much more, much more pedestrian-friendly, mm. I don't think a lot of traders realise the benefits that will come from it. But yeah. anyway, it's a fascinating article. I'd encourage you to get to Bike Snob and, and have a read of it. The other thing I've noticed... Now, I mentioned this on a pre-recorded show for Easter Monday, and if you weren't watching or listening on Easter Monday. The um, Bicycle Channel, which is, comes to us from Tim and Co over, uh, I think, in Brunswick or a little bit west of Brunswick. I'm not sure where Tim resides. And Mini Driver is little character. Have you ever watched their little minute-and-a-half videos? Uh, no, a two-for-two two here. I'm... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's striking <laughs> out. <laughs> he makes wonderful, uh, called the Bicycle Channel, makes wonderful little minute-and-a-half. Ah. Um, quite funny, sometimes very perspective. Uh, so they're on, the, they're on YouTube? Uh... He started off on YouTube, but I mm-hmm. think he's got his own sort of little website now. Oh, great. And, uh, look, one of his um, great ones is... Uh, of a picture, of a little video of somebody coming up to a crossing and all you can hear is the sound of the cars as they roar past you. Then the little green man comes on and it's complete silence as the bike riders ride across the crossing Ah. and you can hear the birds tweeting in the background (laughs) (laughs) and it just goes on for that sort of 40, 40, it's probably time to exactly how long you've got to get across the road. Ah, that's wonderful. Red man goes on, the snarl of the traffic comes back. Anyway, he's got a new video up called the Blinky Dink Indicator Glove, which is a glove for each hand covered in... 
I'm going to say spangles and reflective um, glitter and stuff like that. So the idea, of course, is you just gently twist your hand back and forth to indicate <laughs> whether you're turning right. Brilliant. Uh, brilliant, of course it is. <laughs> and there's a wonderful little cameo in there played by, uh, I mean, a cameo of a wide van driver screaming round the corner, <laughs> nearly running over the cyclist, and the driver who seems a very good driver is played by one of the bicycle mechanics from over in Brunswick, which is quite hilarious. Stephen, I'm not going to say who you are, but we said, great, you played that role very well. <laughs> uh, now, that's it. that's about it from my sort of news. Any news and events from bicycling for you? Uh, no, I don't have anything uh, at, the, at the moment. Um, Did I, didn't I give you some homework? Uh, I... Don't think you did, sorry. I'm sure. But. Oh, okay, yes. Uh, Topically enough. There was a selfish rebel holding up traffic again this Friday night in the city. They were out in the thousands. The media won't report it right, but nobody could move or get anywhere or get home. They call themselves motorists. Our programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3CR.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. What makes a man get on a bike? Look to the far horizon and just keep riding. <sighs> it's a hard question to answer and... Uh, the more I answer it, the less certain I get. But I'll try and you know condense it down into a couple of reasons. Um, I've been a social worker for ten years, and I needed a break. I've been overseas a lot, but I've seen had seen very little of Australia, and because uh, things are good in threes. Uh, third reason is I really, really love cycling. So mix them all together, and that's kind of what you get. So it was just a joyful experience from the first pedal stroke to the last unclipping of the last pannier? Uh, There was obviously some contour in the trip, you know. Um, It wasn't always great. (laughs) There were definitely days I wanted to quit. There were definitely days I um, um, wanted to, you know, throw some tantrums at, um, at random hills and trees that I saw in the middle of nowhere, and thankfully no one was around for that. But... It was it was absolutely extraordinary experience. Um, I'm still finding myself in coming back, and uh, it did tick those boxes. I mean, I really feel I have got to know geographically, you know, Australia a lot a lot more than I, than I had before this. So before we get into this that side of all, all the Strava nuts out there and the people <laughs> who are obsessed by numbers, <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> give us give us a generalised starting point. Okay, so the trip the trip went in three sections. The first was um, a loop from Brisbane to the Sunshine Coast and back. That was about three hundred k's the way I did it, and that was just to you know kind of get my um get my get my legs as far as the hills go. Because I was a complete novice uh, before this, I'd never done really anything of, it, of any any note. Then I rode, uh, got the train down to Coffs Harbour. I rode uh, seven or eight hundred odd k's uh, from Coffs Harbour down to Wollongong and back to Sydney. Got the train across the India Pacific, um, so I had a you know a few days of luxury before I was sweating it out. Over to Perth, and then I rode from Perth all along the coast uh, back uh, through Adelaide, the Great Australian Bight, the Bear Peninsula, the whole thing back to Melbourne. Um, took the coast uh, pretty much all the way. There you go. Yeah. So it, it adds up before you ask to. Uh, my odometer kind of came and went. Uh, oh, so I don't have that, an exact. that out the window. That doesn't matter. Oh, it, it, was, it was more of a, yeah. I, yeah. I, I definitely recommend not having an odometer. You, you, yeah. you, you just don't want to know how far you've got to go. But I think it adds up to something like 5,500, 5,600. It was a long way. It was a know. long way. Yeah. Highlight? Oh... I know there are probably plenty of highlights. Well, I, I, one, that, one that just popped into my head was um, Windy Harbour. Um, it's down um, kind of uh, between Albany and Esperance. And, in fact, that whole stretch of the coast, but, um, that, that kind of south uh, southwest corner of Australia, I'd, yeah. I'd, never, I'd never been there before. I'd been to Perth a couple of times, flown over, but that whole stretch was just magnificent. You know, you had um, just, just, just the forests and the, the coastal thing, the, the, you know, these magnificent 60-metre-high cliffs, and, you know, I just, just saw the wind, so the Southern Ocean come hitting the, um, hitting the, I guess, that, what, the Indian Ocean, and just, uh, yeah, just beautiful out there, you know. And, and and very sparsely populated. That was a part of the trip I saw the least uh, amount of people, even including the Nullarbor. Uh, I've never been down there myself. The vegetation at that, the extremities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Ed, I'm I'm a New Zealand native, and I couldn't help but think a little bit, a little bit of um, South Island, New Zealand West Coast, which is where I was born. The kind of pancake rocks, and um, you know, you got that very brackish, salty scrub um, right there, kind of you know, within a few k's of the, the ocean, and then you get further back, and you've got the huge uh, cowrie um, trees. Yeah, you know, uh, 60, 40 meter high trees. There's a treetop walk you can do there, a bit like the one we've got here in Victoria in the Oasis. Just, just beautiful. And um, I really uh, didn't intend to um, – I, I intended to kind of skip through that part of the trip pretty quickly, um, but I, I ended up taking about six weeks on on that leg because it was just so wonderful being out there. So you better um, tell us camping. Yep, camping the carrying whole way. Carrying everything. Yep, carrying everything, including water, um, by myself, no no support. Um, that, that, that's that's the one thing that when, I, when I'm talking to people, they, they find really fascinating. Um, I, I guess it was – Part of my, you know, design of the trip was to was to get a lot of get a lot of me time. So um, yeah, I was, I was camping. I, look, I never went more than a week or two without um, uh, without without some sort of um, you know roof over my head. Like I'd, I'd stay with a friend here or there, particularly in the capital cities, you yeah. know, um, Adelaide, Perth, Fremantle, Sydney, Brisbane. But uh, yeah, look, it was it was a tent the whole time. Um, so I'm, I'm quite the pro camper now. And, and again, I, I you know before this, I'd only ever done kind of those you know back of the pack of back of a station wagon full and go for a weekend out you know yeah. somewhere a few hours from Melbourne. So you know I had to learn how to cook and carry and 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 do everything on the on on the light. 
Um, so that 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 was a there was a pretty steep learning curve there, but a really nice one. Yeah. By the end of it, yeah, you're, you're still not lighting the stove at home and bringing back the <laughs> memories and cooking up at home. Right? Well, you know, I, I was living off a lot of quinoa. And it was just 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 last night. I was uh, I was unpacking some stuff, and I, I found the I found the bag of it. And um, I I don't know if I'm, I I mean I, I love quinoa, but I, I didn't miss it by the time <laughs> by the time I got back to Melbourne. So I'll cook that up in the next week or so. But, it um, becomes a um, a lovely ritual at the start of the oh, day yeah. and at the end of the day. The Absolutely. unpacking of the tent, um, the way you go about packing the bike up again, and yeah. then the reverse the other end well i'm a real kind of nerd for logistics and organization so you know i'm really fun at parties but um you know that that was that was the game of it for me and just just the mental exercise one of many you need to you know keep yourself sane it's just like how can i pack it more efficiently what you know what yeah. can i get right on the top of the bags that i need first uh, thing and what do i need to buy next time i stop or, yeah, yeah so yeah. there was a lot of refinement in in in, in the uh, in the process and the equipment as i went along and um yeah, you know that, that that was really that was a lot of fun. Lost a fair bit of weight, which was good. That, uh, that was one of my, um, you know, somewhere down on the list. But that was one of my goals as well to obviously get in better shape. And that you succeeded. do something like this, you're guaranteed to lose oh. lose, lose something. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it, the the bike ride because um, I'm a hemophiliac. Um, uh, I had to do a fair bit of you know training and preparation, physiotherapy, Pilates, stuff like that, and and we actually did uh, in conjunction with the Hemophilia Foundation Victoria. Uh, we organised a small fundraiser, kind of a junk to the trip that I was running through a Facebook page, and we managed to raise. Uh, we I say we I didn't I didn't contribute a cent. My friends and supporters did uh, over uh, over four thousand dollars, which is now going to a clinic in Vietnam for for hemophiliacs and people with bleeding disorders uh, to help them get mobility aids, uh, crutches, wheelchairs, and um, and also social programs to educate local clinicians on on how to better treat hemophilia because it's 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 really not well diagnosed or or, um, or managed in, in a lot of parts of the world. Is the prevalence of haemophiliac still run the same? There's no... It's definitely not... You know, in terms of global population, and certainly, yeah. you know, like it's less than a half a percent. Uh, I, um, I, like I know in, in Australia, there's less than 100,000 of us, uh, quite a lot less. But that's one of the things. I mean, even... Um, Diagnosis of who who is and isn't a hemophiliac uh, is not even a um, a resource available to most developing nations. So, uh, you know, it, it can account for for uh, definitely tens of thousands of infant mortalities yeah. uh, every every year because um, people people just if you're not diagnosed. If I had not been diagnosed here in Australia as a hemophiliac uh, as a baby, I, I certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have survived adolescence. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, so we're very well looked after here in Australia, relatively speaking, as hemophiliacs. And uh, you know, one of one of my goals was to was to try and raise awareness of that, and also you know to to contribute uh, to kind of close the gap in in terms of global hemophilia. Now, at some stage, you're sitting on the bike. Yeah. The legs are going up and down. Oh yeah. You're looking at the same dashboard. <laughs> if you're looking at the half Ks, click over, you're in a troublesome place. Yeah. What runs through your mind? Do you sing to yourself? Do you mm. compose poetry to yourself? Um, look, all the above. Um, I definitely sung to myself. I mean, look, I, I'll do that going up and down, you know, yeah, Smith yeah. Street on the way here, and it's and it's terrible, and, and I'm, I'm so glad I can't hear myself with my headphones in. Yep, I sing to myself. Um, I did... Uh, 
not not as much poetry as as I might have thought going into this. I think my my I was I was very much ready to take a break from that, and you know. On the on the far yeah. side of it, I've, I've done a bit more, but writing definitely just just ideas. I did a lot more um, long form kind of journal diary sort of writing, and you know, I um, you you have for better or worse, you've got a lot of time out there to pull your life apart. So there was kind of um, a lot of loose threads from back in Melbourne uh. that you'd, I'd kind of tug on and maybe unweave the whole rug. So it gave me a lot to think about and make some lifestyle changes when I get home. But you think about. The thing you got bullied for in high school, you think about old friends from uni, you think about old relationships, you think about just the most random stuff, episodes of Star Trek, lines of dialogue, music, you know, and, and particularly the, the musical playlist would, would bring up a lot of memories, like a certain... Um, you know, a, a friend of mine who gave me this song that I never really listened to for a couple of years, and then I did just, just yeah. There's, uh, there's really no way to prescribe a, a pattern. It was, it was just whatever popped into my head. There was no kind of guided meditation to it. But you're actually pretty busy mentally. Like a lot of people have assumed it's some sort of like Zen. Like you know, I went and did Vipassana once, where you really got to empty your head for for like ten days, not talk. Well, this one like that. You can't do that. On no, the I mean the truth no. is, it's a. I think it's a little bit more like kind of like sailing or yachting. From what I've seen of it, you're like you're constantly doing stuff. Like I mean, I'm, you know, I'm checking my mirrors, I'm checking the velocity, I'm looking at how far I've got to go, how much water, how much speed, you know, the no. wind, all that stuff. You know, looking out for traffic is obviously a real concern. Um, out in those long stretches. No. You're in a constant state of inspection, but, yeah. but at some stage it still does free you up for um, absolutely, uh, absolutely, and yeah, and in particularly, you know, that that stretch I remember really, really fondly around um, Perth to Esperance. There was sixteen hundred k's there. I mean, that that in, that in itself would have been a large scale trip to to do, but uh, you know, that that was beautiful. Um, yeah, so you, you, if you if you want a lot of time to think, uh, that's definitely a uh, relatively cheap way to get it. I'm just to reframe that. What do you reckon it cost you? I'm going to be real. I'm, it's not wow, rude. Yeah. No, it's not rude at all. Everybody, um, everybody needs at some stage to step away from the machine. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um, the most, the single most expensive part of the trip was um, the Indy Pacific train ticket. Oh yes, we have so you know, there's that, there's that co- yeah. yeah, we'll take that out. Um, getting the bike up to scratch was uh, yeah, a couple of grand. Um, yep. And I didn't go cheap in, in. I don't think in any of this. You know, I put a, I had a, a front dynamo put on my um, uh, in the hub of my wheel, yep. and you know there was a couple hundred right there. Yep. Um, yeah. So you know, uh, and then most of it was expending money, equipment. Um, I'd say all up, oh, um, you know, twelve or thirteen thousand probably. But that's over the course of like a year or two in terms yeah. of the preparation and all that stuff. That's a cheap living. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, for, I mean, I was away for six months, oh. and um, and you know, yeah, I mean, the actual money I spent while I was on the road about seven thousand. Oh. Yeah. So, if you're looking for a holiday, you'd recommend this. I, I, I it's as strongly as as possible, in no uncertain terms, emphatically. Yes, go, go, go see Australia, go cycle, go tour. It's wonderful. Ride a bike. If Absolutely. it doesn't kill you, you'll enjoy it. Definitely, so, definitely. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, uh, I'll give a shout out. Can people still donate to? Your little uh, hemophiliac well, thing? My specific, you know, uh, cycle fundraiser has been closed, you know, in order to give a, yep. the big novelty check we gave over to Vietnam. But if you're interested, um, hit me up at randallstevenspoetry.com. I've got some links there to the Hemophilia Foundation Victoria and the Global Fund for Close the Gap. So um, you, you can find some links where to donate and find out some more info, uh, yeah, on, on my website there. And I'll put that link up on the 
podcast. Beautiful, thanks. Um, and we'll go from there. Okay. Randall, it's always good to have you in here. It's always you good to be here. Thanks. Uh, yeah. It's good to see you again, Val. Thank you for having me in. No, no. Anytime. Now, next up is um, Dirt Radio, but I'll run through a couple of events that are coming up because I can't see Dirt Radio out the window yet. 26th of April, that's the day after um, Anzac Day, the Free Cyclist, Freestyle Cyclist Sunday Ride, and that's an 11am leave from Eltham Railway Station down the Diamond Creek to the Yarra and then into the city. Mm. And you don't have to wear a helmet. That's nice. Hooray for that. All presenters here at 3CR are volunteers and your subscriptions and donations, our existence depends on your subscriptions. Next week, Chris and Steve are back in front of the, back on the tandem. Up until then, we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.